You're now listening to an archive episode of Or So I Thought, back when the podcast went by a different name. I really hope you enjoy it, and please make sure to listen to our new stuff. So after you're done here, just scroll up, pick a new episode, and press play. I don't know what I think until I write it down. This is something that's been said by many people before, from all walks of life. The thing is, writing clarifies your thinking, and it reveals some thoughts you didn't even know you had. What better way to figure out your deepest values, to find a common thread in big decisions you've made or in crazy adventures that you've lived, than by letting your written words reveal this to you? And I think that's the reason everyone feels they have a book inside them that needs to get out, a book that they need to write. I want to write a couple nonfiction books myself, and maybe there's even a novel floating in there somewhere. If you fall within this bucket, and if you're listening to this podcast, I think you do, then this episode will be of good use to you. Whether you hope to write fiction or nonfiction, there's still a process to writing a book, and there are some myths that could hurt us if we don't bust them as being plain false beforehand. Today, we have an expert that knows all about how books get written, published, marketed, and consumed. Uh, I am the author of the international bestseller, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, uh, How to Stop Spending Time You Don't Have with People You Don't Like, Doing Things You Don't Want to Do. And I'm also a freelance editor and writer under my own business, Sarah Knight Books. Sarah Knight has been in publishing for over 15 years, and she's seen the business from all angles. She used to first sell books, then she became an editor at one of the biggest publishing houses in the world, and as she mentioned, she transitioned then into being an author and still edits as a freelancer. Today's episode is broken down into three parts. The first is all about the ideation phase of a book. Then it's about the writing and the discipline of it. And then we look at how the first two parts finally materialize into a book for the world to consume. A book can be delivered to the world through many avenues, but because we have Sarah here today and she's an expert in traditional book publishing, we're going to talk a little bit in the beginning about that, how to create a book we'll want to deliver through a traditional publishing process. The first piece of advice that I give to all writers, whether they're writing fiction or nonfiction, is have a great idea. If you don't have an idea that sounds in one or two sentences like something a lot of people would want to read, it doesn't matter how well you write that book, it is going to be hard to sell. It's going to be hard to get an agent to represent you, it's going to be hard to get an editor to get excited about it, and it's going to be hard to get a publisher to want to invest thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and man hours into it because they also have to sell it to sales reps who have to sell it to the store level buyers who have to sell it to the customers. So it's not just about the writing. It's about the idea. And I really, I can't stress that enough. I've, I've worked on so many books that I loved and I managed to push them through that acquisition phase where I was, but could not sell them, you know, to the greater public because it was just a convoluted idea or one that, that didn't seem you know, of, of interest to the masses, even if the writing was exquisite. So, you know, I say that to people who have commercial ambitions and to people who have literary ambitions, make sure that you have an idea that if, if you didn't write that book, if you weren't the author, but you heard about it, you would think, Ooh, 
I would read that. Don't get discouraged if your idea isn't great just yet. Maybe it needs a little more refining, or maybe writing is just the first step of it for another vision. Maybe the idea can live as a blog post, or as a video, or as a TEDx speech. But if you're confident you like your idea as a book, and you're ready to jump in? I would say have respect for the process. Uh, it takes a long time. It can be full of rejection. Uh, it can be full of you know self-doubt. And I think that some writers are quick to accuse literary agents or publishers of being these evil gatekeepers who are just, you know, who just are trying to kind of keep them down and not let them share their brilliance with the world. And it's not true. We're, we're mostly really good people who are looking for talent that we can sell, um, you know, books that we can be the best cheerleader for, uh, for the long haul, you know, writers whose careers we can be part of for the long haul. Uh, there, there are very few one-offs in this business and, you know, it takes a long time to make those connections. If you think about getting a literary agent or getting an editor or publisher in the same way that you think about finding the person that you're going to marry, um, you know, this is a long-term relationship that is mutually beneficial and mutually risky and you really, you have to get it right. So how did Sarah's process as a writer start? It was actually a very unusual process in the in the sense that it was an extremely truncated timeline, which I do not recommend, uh, and which is very unusual for publishing as a whole. But I had the idea in mid-July of 2015, and I told uh, my literary agent, who was a, a an agent that I had known, you know, through my years of working in publishing, and I also would consider her a friend, and she had said... I know you have aspirations. If you ever have a book idea or proposal, you know, please send it to me. So I told her this idea and she said, that's a great idea. You should write a proposal. So I did. And she had sold the book uh, by mid-August. So I basically had the idea, wrote the proposal, revised it to her specifications, again, taking criticism from her, you know, and, and internalizing it and coming back with a better product. And then she organized, you know, a submission and I had six publishers bidding on it. And I had a book deal in the middle of August and I had five weeks to write the book. Um, and the reason for that was because the publisher, Little Brown, really wanted to get it out in time for the uh, what's called the New Year, New You displays in January, which is, you know, really full of self-help titles. Um, and that's incredibly unusual. Normally, you take as long as you need to write the book, and when it's done, there's still probably a nine to twelve month window where your publicist and your marketing team and your salespeople are working on getting the jacket correct and getting the copy just right and selling it into all the accounts and you know taking it to sales conference and getting those orders and really like building a groundswell. So this was an unusual situation in that my book idea was perceived to be something that would sell better the sooner we could get it out. Um, and I also, because I was so experienced in the industry, they understood that I understood the stakes and I said, you know, I will get it done. And I did. Um, but I, I don't recommend it. It was, it was a, it was a very tough time. Now you're ready to start writing or are you? Here's Adam Hansen. He's a guest from a previous episode. His book will be coming out soon, and he has some words of wisdom for the early stages of creating your book. You think you're pretty clear on what the outline is? I don't think you can over outline before you start writing. 
I mean, I already have a much, I mean, I already have more, I think, more of the outline ready for the second book <laughs> than I did for, our, for the first book. Once you're in the thick of writing the book, you're going to need some discipline. That's what's going to keep you writing page after page and be able to get the damn thing finished. A daily ritual. A process. Well, for me, it's very important to have my head on straight. And, you know, I'm not a morning person, which is really one of one of the you know key reasons I wanted to get out of corporate life. And I know that might sound kind of um, silly, but it's really true. I have a really hard time kind of being a smart together person before, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, so what I usually do is I sleep until I'm ready to get up. I don't set an alarm, um, which has been incredibly liberating. And I spend a good hour, hour and a half drinking coffee, catching up on the news, just kind of getting, you know, shaking out the morning fog. And I usually start writing somewhere around noon and I go for as long as I need to go to hit my word count. And I think it's important to give yourself a rest when you're tired, uh, either physically or mentally. I certainly get up in the middle of that and do other things. When I've hit a wall, I sometimes will take a walk around the block or I'll take a shower if I haven't done that already. Uh, or I'll play, you know, some words with friends with my mom and then wait until I have Basically, my subconscious is kind of working on unlocking some problems while I'm doing other things. And then I'll be like, oh. I have now I have an idea for the next, you know, five pages and I'll sit back down and work. And there's some magic behind going through the process every day. I look at it as a seven day a week job with days off for mental health. So my goal is to do a little bit of writing every day when I'm working on a project. And that could be my own book or I've done some ghostwriting for other people, um, you know, whatever it might be. Sometimes I'm writing an article for a magazine. So I like to do it every day because I feel like it kind of keeps me in the groove, but I am the first person to take time off if I feel like I need it. And I think that's really important just in life. I think that's important for so long. I was a slave to my job and I did it all day, every day and for four hours a night and for eight to 10 hours on Saturday and Sunday. And I really burnt out and burn, burnout is a real thing. And I think that um, you can, you can burn out very easily as a writer. So it's important to take the breaks when you need them. We heard earlier how for Sarah, she started with an aggressive timeline. She had to get the book done. This took a special approach to staying on track. Uh, it's about 40,000 words, uh, you know, plus an index and a few kind of, you know, interesting extras. And, you know, I basically sat down and said, okay, I have this many days and I have to hit this many words. And, uh, you know, how many words per day is that? And I just kept my butt in the seat until, you know, I had my daily word count. And sometimes I went over and that was great. And occasionally I didn't quite get there. And that was, you know, disappointing. But I kept, I literally kept a running tally just on a piece of note paper, um, you know, where I added up my daily progress and just sort of saw how far I had come. And, you know, then when I got past the halfway point, that felt really good. And it seemed a little less daunting. And every once in a while, there would be some tears and pizza and red wine and you know, take a day off and then, and then start over. But I really knew, you know, I knew I had to get it done and I knew I certainly didn't want to be uh, a problem author where I have had a few of those in my time who did not, who were just not able to meet deadlines. Um, so, you know, I did it, but uh, again, it was, it was a very difficult uh, sprint to the finish. And so I would recommend taking all the time you need to get your book exactly how you want it, 
you know, before you have to before you have to actually see it on the shelf. Although I'm extremely proud of how it came out. Sometimes a little pressure can be a great thing. And speaking of pressure, let's say you've been writing your book. It's been a solitary effort so far. When is the right time to start sharing what you're up to? When should this idea first collide with the world? Well, I think that everybody is different in terms of what makes them comfortable. You know, I started talking about my book idea right away because I sort of wanted to force myself to follow through on it. Uh, I, it's a matter of setting accountability to others, you know, um, and that is motivating for me. But I understand that some people might not be ready to share either their idea or their early drafts because they, you know, they just they feel like it would make them too nervous or whatever. So I think, you know, whatever works for you in terms of letting the world know that you have this book that you either just, you know, started writing or that you maybe just finished. But I would say, you know, it's all well and good to have trusted readers like your mom. But your mom is highly unlikely to give you valuable critical feedback. And, you know, that's not to say that that no moms would be able to do that, but it's really unlikely. So anytime I had a writer, you know, occasionally argue a, uh, you know, a point with me where they said, well, my mom thinks, you know, or my sister thinks, and I'm like, you know, I'm being paid to edit your book. This is my career. Uh, if I don't do a good job of it, then I don't keep my job, you know. So maybe leave your mom and your sister out of it when uh, when you're really trying to be uh, professional about it. And that's that's another thing. When I say respect the process, I think you really have to respect that there is a huge profession that is built around publishing books. There are editors and there are copy editors and there are designers, you know, and there are publishers and marketing people and publicists who all have these jobs and your job is to write the book. And, you know, ultimately you also are going to have to do some publicizing and marketing of yourself, but that's another, that's another category. Um, so what I would say is, you know, make sure you have a draft that you really believe is really good. You know, don't waste somebody's time on something that you know isn't that good. Um, it's possible that you won't be able to tell. It's possible that you're just too close to it. But if you know it's not your best effort, don't waste somebody's time because you only get so much, you know, so many chances to make a first impression, uh, whether that's on a writing group or um, a creative writing teacher or a trusted friend uh, who can be critical and also, you know, nice to you, <laughs> um, you know, or a literary agent. So make sure that you know that you have something that you don't believe you can improve on anymore at this point before you ask somebody else to spend their valuable time and energy, uh, you know, to give you their fucks, <laughs> if you will, um, to, to give you critical feedback. I think this is worth unpacking a little bit. It seems as if this, right now, is a definite before and after line that we have to approach with supreme care. It's almost as if we have to earn the right to show our work. Tony Robbins says that we get rewarded in public for the things we practice for years in private. Your writing of this book so far has been private practice. Your practice grounds you and prepares you to handle the criticism of others. Let's pretend the process were flipped. If it were done first in public, then becoming a solitary effort, I think very few of us would get past the first part. It would crush us. Many aspiring authors, including myself, sometimes wish for the fame and the riches and the glory before putting in any serious amount of work. 
This is a foolish dream. I think the best thing that could happen is that fame and glory eludes us for a little while. As we mentioned earlier, the process must be respected because its main benefit is that we earn our own self-respect. If we do indeed get to a point where an editor is checking our work, how do we approach this relationship? Really think about it. Really take it to heart. You know, I was an editor for 15 years and I wrote my first book and I had an editor. And you know what? I let him edit me. Uh, I was a little worried that I wouldn't be able to. But as it turned out, he had really smart comments. He really made me see some things that I just didn't see when I was writing it. And and he was right about a lot of things. And, you know, sure, I pushed back on some stuff. But generally speaking, I respected the fact that in this situation, I was the writer and he was the editor. And this was his job. And I needed to let him do it. And I needed to, you know, really kind of absorb the criticism and move forward with a better book. She did indeed proceed with a better book. Her first release, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, has become a bestseller, and she's actually already working on book number two. A great part of her success has been her talent and hard work as a writer, but she also shared some thoughts on things to keep in mind if we're really serious about making our book a success. Sure, I think that anybody who uh, is really serious about uh, being part of the the literary culture, you know, whether that's journalism or uh, or a novelist or somebody writing creative nonfiction, it's important. It's equally important to you know really focus on on your craft and really you know work hard to become a better writer every day, but also to make connections and to support other writers. You know, my husband majored in theater in college, and we have a lot of friends who are working musicians and working actors and I have a lot of friends who are writers and I think it's important to really support other people in the arts because it will come back to you in spades you know you can't just sit in your parents basement and work on the great american novel for 10 years and not participate in the culture and expect everybody to be your cheerleader when your time comes so I think it's it's important from a relationship and, uh, and reputation standpoint, but also so that you know what's going on out there. You know, you know, if you have this great idea for a novel and you haven't been really keeping up with the bestseller lists or, or reading much in the last five years and you don't realize that your great idea was already written by somebody else, you know, to great acclaim, then that's, you know, that's, that's on you. Um, that's a mistake. So I think that for people who, who really want to succeed and want to be part of the culture, you have to participate in it, not only as a writer, but as a consumer and a commenter. And, you know, you go to readings and you buy books and, you know, you read, you, you subscribe to magazines and, and you really keep abreast of everything that's going on in the world that you want to participate in. A common theme I seem to find everywhere lately is this of process. Each day, I get more reasons to believe that the work itself, the process, is its own reward. Regardless of whether the book gets published or not, think of the things we can learn about ourselves by going through a long, tough process like that of writing a book. It must transform us, somehow. There's no way that it won't. That's why it starts as a lonely practice. First, we focus on getting our own thinking to be clear, and then when we're ready, the world will tell us what it thinks.
Well, if you are interested in becoming somebody who gives fewer better fucks and you want to read The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, you can find it anywhere books are sold. You can find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and your local independent bookstore. You can find it in ebook, and you can download the audiobook, which I narrated myself. Uh, so you can just listen to my mellifluous voice for another four hours uh, instructing you on how not to give a fuck. What's About You is supported by FreshBooks. Here's the thing. I can spend hours and hours producing podcasts, but when it comes to invoicing, I can't bear to do it for more than a minute. With FreshBooks, it only takes me 30 seconds to create a professional-looking invoice so I can get back to doing what I love to do, podcasting. FreshBooks even gives your clients tons of ways to pay online by card, so no waiting for the proverbial check in the mail. Go to freshbooks.com wits to get a free 30-day trial. That's freshbooks.com slash W-I-T-S. And write what's about you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. You've been listening to What's About You. You can learn more at whatsaboutyou.com. I'm Alex Cespedes. Thanks for listening.